Pro fans all over the world, we welcome you to the Pro Fan Arena where prolific sports fandom, a desire for wisdom in life and work, for the purpose of glorifying God through our gifts and talents, all rumble together. Thank you for joining us. Now introducing your starting lineup. Standing five feet nine from the University of Take Responsibility, playing the position of Chief Encourager, your host, the founder of Pro Fan League, the Pro Fan, Bradley Gibbs. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Brad Gibbs, the founder of Pro Fan League. Thank you for joining us in the Pro Fan League arena. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus Christ is alive. He has conquered sin and death. And that makes this a great day. Now, lace up your Chuck Taylors and let's talk Sports. We are going to start today talking about the NFL, the National Football League. Last night, the Steelers played the Titans and prevailed. The Steelers now move to 5-3. and three. Was their offense good last night? I don't know that I would say it was good, but it was good enough to beat the Titans. Last night, the Pittsburgh Steelers did commit 10 penalties for 80 yards. I'm sure that is driving Mike Tomlin insane. But a win's a win. And I had somebody who listens to this show ask me to spend a little bit of time talking about the offensive football for the Steelers and the Giants. Uh, I had mentioned earlier that you know, they're really bad. Uh, their their offenses are not playing well right now. And he said, oh, could you spend a little time talking about what you think the remedy would be? Well, I'm going to talk larger scale than just the Giants and the Steelers of what I think really predicates excellent offensive football. And I'm also going to point people to the upcoming What It Takes to Win Championship series Uh, Over on ProFanLeague.com, I'll dive into it deeper there. I'm pressed for time on this show. Uh, But my theory on offensive football and what separates the great offensive football teams from the good offensive football teams comes back to uh, the fundamentals of the offensive line being excellent at finding and creating mismatches. Uh, I think this is true in any sport uh, where somebody is winning, where somebody is advancing the calls towards wins consistently. I think the coaching staffs on those teams in in those sports are brilliant at creating mismatches. I think part of the reason Tom Brady was so excellent... Uh, as a quarterback in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes right now, Joe Burrow, is they know the offense so well and the offensive coordinator in them or the head coach, whoever's calling the plays, is so in sync at creating mismatches 
that it creates favorable situations to get the ball into the hands of playmakers. When I watch the Giants calling plays, when I watch the Steelers, uh, often it seems like there can be very long stretches without the ball getting into the hands of the most talented people on the team. Uh, I'm not sitting here uh, calling myself Bill Walsh. Uh, he was the creator of the West Coast offense. Or, uh, you know, Mike Leach, uh, who was a, an offensive genius before his passing last year. I'm not saying uh, that I'm that guy. What I am saying is I think winning offensive football at any level is a combination of excellent talent on the field combined with a coaching staff that understands how to create mismatches that set up plays that consistently move the ball up the field and a quarterback who knows when to check it down and take the easy three or four yards while thinking the long game of how to set up a big splash play and I I think that uh, when you're running 60 70 80 plays a game it can be very challenging to to stay out of the flow of the game and and get uh, distracted or not even realize like wow uh, for instance, last night, the Steelers, they won. Uh, Deontay Johnson scored his first touchdown since 2021, uh, partially due to injury. Uh, he catches a lot of balls. He doesn't get into the end zone much. But George Pickens, who I think is probably the best offensive weapon on the Steelers, last night he had two catches for minus one yard on five targets. So for me, when I think about George Pickens as a Steelers offensive coach, I would be shooting to get him 8 to 11 targets every single game and exploring how we can do that. Uh, two weeks ago after Ohio State uh, beat Penn State, in the postgame presser, they were asking Ryan Day, head coach of Ohio State, how, uh, how special is Marvin Harrison? He you know, talked him up, and then he said something like, I stay up late at night figuring out how we're going to get Marvin Harris in the ball. See, this is not overthinking it. Ohio State knows that Marvin Harrison is special. So they're going to figure out how to get him opportunities. Sometimes in the NFL, it seems like people just get lost in the game flow and they don't get a chance to get the ball in their hands. Uh, for the Giants... Uh, week one, I knew we were in trouble when Daniel Jones in the first two quarters had more carries on quarterback draws than Saquon Barkley had the ball in his hands. Uh, Daniel Jones, he might have some gifted legs, but Saquon Barkley needs to have more opportunities to make offensive plays than Daniel Jones. So that's a that's a brief synopsis of uh, my theory of offensive football, it comes back to excellent athletes, great speed, and a combination of that excellent athletic talent combined with a coaching staff that's creative and how to consistently get the ball into the hands of that talent in mismatches. And a quarterback who knows when to check it down and take the easy stuff while thinking how to set up the big splash play. This weekend, uh, Chiefs Dolphins are playing in Germany. I believe that game kicks at 9 a.m. 
Cowboys-Eagles at 415, and then the Sunday night game is a Bengals-Bills showdown. This is a good test for the Bengals to see if they can continue with the momentum that they've been building. We're going to swing right over to NCAA football. We'll keep the pigskin spinning. The first CFP ranking came out, the college football playoff. Uh, Number one, Ohio State. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Michigan. Number four, Florida State. This is week 10 of the college football season. Obviously, there's still a lot of football to play. And when asked about the college football rankings, Nick Saban's response was, the only one that matters is the last one. So, in the spirit of Nick Saban, there's a lot of football to be played. I'm sure we're going to get some shuffle here. And it will be interesting to see if the Big Ten takes action against Michigan. Michigan is under investigation for sign stealing. There is a big conference call uh, about that in the Big Ten Two days ago, coaches asking them to take action against Michigan as a conference. We'll see if anything comes of it. Uh, This weekend, some marquee matchups. Missouri and Georgia. Missouri is ranked number 12. Georgia's number one. That is in Athens. I do not think Missouri will prevail over Georgia in this home game. Still, they're both highly ranked. Uh, Washington and USC. Washington is trying to make it out of this Pac-12 gauntlet undefeated. That should be a good game. Uh, I think USC is beatable. They're, I mean, obviously they've lost twice. They're out of the CFP picture. They're trying to play spoiler here. Um, they have a dangerous offense. They have a Swiss cheese defense. This Washington offense, if you haven't got to see Michael Penix Jr. in this Washington offense, uh, they're a show. They can be an absolute show. So uh, tune into that. Classic LSU Alabama. Uh, On my sports bucket list, it is to get to an LSU Alabama showdown. Preferably down in Baton Rouge in Death Valley. But I would also also go to Tuscaloosa. I'm sure the Alabama fans on this show are, uh, are not happy that I said I would rather go to Baton Rouge. Uh, hey, get me an invite. Tell me why Tuscaloosa is better than Baton Rouge. I've never been to either one of those college football towns. Uh, LSU fans, Alabama fans, let me know. Why should I prefer to go to Alabama uh, to watch Alabama LSU? Or why should I go the whole way down to Louisiana to take in LSU Alabama? What atmosphere is better? Or if you've been to the game and you listen to this show, hit me up in the comments. Uh, find me on Facebook, send me an email, gibbs at profanleague.com. I would love to hear what you think is better as far as atmosphere in this LSU-Alabama rivalry. Finally, I wanted to give a shout out to the Bedlam rivalry, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. These two schools have been playing for 117 years. And because of conference realignment, This will be the final Bedlam rivalry in the state of Oklahoma for the foreseeable future. There is not another one scheduled. So this weekend, 117 years of college football history is coming to an end. Now, they call it a rivalry. By the record, it's not much of a rivalry. Oklahoma leads 91-19 
to seven and seven. So the the record in the history of this rivalry, Oklahoma has won ninety one times, uh, ninety one nineteen and seven. Pat McAfee this week said the Oklahoma Sooners should be glad that they don't have to play Oklahoma anymore. I understand the sentiment from a wins loss perspective, but I wholeheartedly disagree. Just like we're ruining the history of college football by eliminating the Pac-12, losing rivalries like this one is what makes the sport special, is what makes the sport unique. You have generations of families who have been watching this rivalry in the state of Oklahoma, and it's gone. I believe that something about the fabric of college football is being torn away in the spirit of huge paychecks, when they dismantle rivalries like this one, when they shut down the Pac-12 after over 100 years of college football, uh, it's unfortunate. I hope as college football continues to figure out this realignment journey uh, that somehow they come to something that can restore these regional uh, rivalries. Uh, I imagine it's going to be a couple of years before that happens. So this weekend... Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, in the spirit of college football history, turn it on for a few minutes and appreciate the greatness of an 117-year-old rivalry that will be coming to an end this weekend. Bedlam, uh, it's always a tremendous atmosphere down there. We're going to swing right on over to Major League Baseball. This past week, uh, two nights ago, the Texas Rangers won their first championship in 63 years of existence. They were one of six teams who had never won a World Series. Now, there's five teams who have never won a World Series in Major League Baseball. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to making the moves that they needed to make. Congratulations to Corey Seager. Uh, becoming the fourth player to win two uh, World Series MVP awards. And the Rangers have spent a lot of money, a lot of money on their roster, but they also have a significant amount of homegrown talent on that roster. This is also something we'll be covering in that how do you win a championship series, championships, how are they won. It is often a combination of excellent homegrown talent, that's the foundation, combined with bringing in the right high-priced talent. It's a hard mix. Texas uh, this year had a up-and-down scenario. Uh, this was also historic because Bruce Boshi, uh, the manager for the Texas Rangers, captured his fourth World Series title, uh, which puts him in very elite company. He's a Hall of Fame manager uh, 63 years in the making. Now, the questions begin. The offseason starts Monday, November 6th, is the first official day of Major League Baseball free agency, the first official day, and all eyes turn to the Shohei Otani free agents, the Shohei Otani free agency courting. So Shohei has been an amazing and unique player since he entered Major League Baseball. He is a free agent. He has decisions to make. Uh, there have been all sorts of speculation about the price tag. He pitches. He hits. Uh, he will not be pitching 
next season because of uh, Tommy John surgery, his second. So that's going to impact his price tag. But the question remains, who's going to pay for Shohei? How is he going to be utilized? He has an incredible bat. He's an incredible pitcher. For me, if I was running a franchise and uh, I was talking with Shohei and his representatives, I would um, propose something like, we're going to use his bat predominantly, especially while he's healing. When he comes back, let's shoot for maybe 12 starts. Use him as a closer to keep his arm live. And then as the season ends and we're starting a playoff run, we start ramping him up so he can be utilized as a starter in the playoffs. Uh, Maybe I'll expand on that a little more. But through the regular season, maybe pitch him every two weeks, use him as a closer every now and again to keep his arm healthy. Let his bat flash. That dude swings a torch. Check out the Swinging a Torch podcast, uh, the Swinging a Torch blog at profanleague.com. Shohei swings a torch. Uh, and then a, a plan to really start ramping him up in the playoff run August, September, get him into a consistent cycle in the rotation and set him up to star because he is a star to star in the month of October. That would be my sales pitch. Uh, It's going to take a lot of money to capture Shohei. But what's interesting is uh, he's been very elusive as to what he actually wants in his free agency. So it'll be uh, fascinating to watch this roll out. Final congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Uh, On to the 2024 baseball season. Free agency begins on Monday night. We will see how teams build their rosters. Lots of teams have decisions to make. And spring training will be here before we know it. Swinging to college hoops also on Monday. Monday, November 6th is a big day. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool day. Uh, college basketball starts on November 6th. We are thinking March Madness. Can we? Too early? Too early to think March Madness? I don't think so. March Madness will be here before we know it. The top 10 going into Monday's start of hoops. Number one, Kansas. Number two, Duke. Number three, Purdue. Number four, Michigan State. Number five, Marquette. Number six, defending champion UConn. Number seven, Houston. Number eight, Creighton. Number nine, Tennessee. And number 10, Florida Atlantic, the Cinderella darling who went to the Final Four last year, and they return every single player in their starting five plus, I believe, their top five bench players. So most of that whole roster is coming back for another run. It will be interesting to see if this Florida Atlantic team can capture success Once again, uh, I was reading an article the other day, and they are very confident, and they love their team chemistry. So, Monday night, November 6th, boom, college basketball tips. Here we go. What an exciting time of the year. Uh, Basketball, football, hockey, baseball. Baseball's done now, but this is, man, sports buffet continues. In the NHL. In the NHL, Las Vegas and the Boston Bruins still sporting 
excellent records. Las Vegas is still on this record run of the best opening uh, win streak of anybody who's ever won a Stanley Cup. They are on fire right now. They're healthy. Uh, Jack Hughes, the first-round pick of the New Jersey Devils in 2019, he's now 22 years old, leads the NHL in points. And this New, G- New Jersey Devils team is very interesting. Uh, they, they made some noise in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. They're young. They're hungry. Uh, they were the four seed last year. Early going here, they're, they're the four seed right now as well. Their defense is a little leaky. But it'll be interesting to see if Jack Hughes can keep up this point run. Uh, it's mostly fueled by assists, but he's a gifted guy. Uh, still very young at 22 years old, uh, but starting to move into that into that part of his career where we'll see if he takes the next step and can lead this New Jersey Devils team uh, to the glory days of old. I remember growing up, the New Jersey Devils were were enforcers. Like nobody wanted to play New Jersey; they would rough you up. We'll see if they can recapture that kind of mystique uh, behind. Uh, their young leader, Jack Hughes, here, 22 years old, currently leading the NHL in points. The other night, uh, last night, the San Jose Sharks, who have opened the season 0-9-1, 0-9-1, got demolished 10-1 to by the Vancouver Canucks. Now, this leads me to a question. What happened? 10 to 1 is an absolute beatdown on the pond. It also led me to a question what is a Canuck? So I did some research. This is education right here. A Canuck uh, is simply a term for somebody who lives in Canada, but it was derived from back in the day when whaling was very popular. And it comes from, uh, it's derived from the root of a Hawaiian word called kanaka. So whalers would come up. Some of them would be referred uh, to as kanaka. And then over the years, it became a term that defined a number of different people. But now, just as uh, the definition is a, a Canadian, a Canuck. And the mascot, the logo for the Vancouver Canucks, the Vancouver Canadians, is a killer whale. So this got me to thinking, what happened? Why? How did the Canucks beat San Jose 10 to 1? Well, it's quite simple. There are reports that killer whales will actually attack great white sharks. So, uh, I mean, it's simple. This This is simply... This is simply circle of life sort of stuff. This is like Lion King sort of stuff. The killer whales just scared the sharks and crushed them. And crushed them last night. Maybe even ate them. Ten to one. The killer whales got the job done and ran the sharks right out of town. Maybe right out of the water. Uh, A ten to one whooping like that. Uh, the sharks might be laying on the beach right right now. Uh, you don't see a 10 spot in the NHL much, but we did see a 10 spot in the NHL last night. That moves us over to the NBA, where there was another absolute demolition. 
Earlier this week, the Boston Celtics beat the Pacers 155 to 104, a 51-point beatdown in Boston. Again, I asked myself, what happened? The only thing that could come to my mind was this is Indiana's first trip to Boston this year. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to Boston for the first time earlier this year. And I know that when you go to Boston, everybody says try the lobster rolls, right? Everybody says try the lobster rolls. You get that butter. Well, I ate a lobster roll and I remember my fingers were buttery and slippery and greasy. I think what happened was there were lobster rolls on the pregame buffet. People avoided the uh, peanut butter and jelly. The Pacers wanted some lobster rolls and they got them. And they walked out there. And you know how when your fingers get buttery, sometimes you can even wash your hands, but it's still kind of slick. I think simply put, the issue the other night for the Indiana Pacers was butter. Butter from their lobster rolls. It was on their fingers. Uh, You try playing basketball with slippery fingers and a full belly from lobster roll. Tell me how it went. I'll tell you how it went. If it was me out there trying to get buckets on a belly full of lobster roll with buttery fingers, I'd get blown out just like the Pacers. A 51-point shellacking. Uh, The NBA season tourney, in-season tourney, starts today. Uh, Starts tonight. This is a new development in the NBA. Uh, For a long time, Adam Silver has wanted to have an in-season tournament. This dream of his is coming alive tonight. It begins, and you will see something interesting if you tune into that tournament. The floors, there are special in-season tournament floors that the NBA has went to great lengths to get installed for these in-season tournament games. So when you look at the TV screen tonight, you are going to see an explosion of color on your screen. Uh, I'm going to put a link. I'm going to try to put a link in the show notes uh, about the great lengths the NBA went to to get these floors painted for the in-season tournament. Uh, They want this tournament to matter. They're hoping that the players take it seriously. It starts tonight. Tune in. And it uh, it goes on and off uh, for for quite a while here. And then the championship of the in-season tournament, I believe, takes place in Las Vegas. Uh, But you will know that you're watching an in-season NBA tournament game if you look at the floor and it looks crazy or just very colorful. Uh, that's That's the indicator that the NBA put into place so you would know you're watching an NBA in-season tournament game. That's our spin through sports. I wanted to take a little bit of time to go over the final three, the final three pro fan league fundamentals. The final three pro fan league fundamentals as we continue to set up what pro fan league is. What is it hoping to accomplish? How do we hope to come alongside pro fans? How do we hope to edify the people who are gracious enough to take the time to listen to this show? The final three Pro Fan League fundamentals are one, take responsibility. Pro fans take responsibility. Number two, be proactive with your talents. The talents that you have been given, share them. Be looking for opportunities to share them. 
And number three, the final one, pro fans are willing to say no. Willing to say no. I'm going to give a quick thought on each one of these. Pro fans are willing to take responsibility. The heart behind this pro fan fundamental is we don't make excuses. Say we do something say we do something great or say that we see something needs done. Uh, in the pro fan league community, we are people who see what needs done and take action to do it. Not looking for somebody else to step in and do it. We see the need and we fill the need. If we make a mistake, we take responsibility for that mistake. We don't make excuses. We don't blame it on others. And a lot of this comes from the idea, especially uh, I am somebody who follows Jesus. I believe that Jesus is alive and that he's a great savior and that he died for my sins. I believe that I need a savior. I am accountable for my sin and my action. I cannot save myself. So the cornerstone of take responsibility is the fact that I believe that evil starts in my own heart. When I mess up, it's coming out of my own heart. And I need to take responsibility for it. And uh, praise God that Jesus has been provided to forgive me for my sin, but also to give hope and new life and to teach me how to live in new ways. And he stands ready He stands ready to forgive sin. He's alive today. He also stands ready to teach new life to anyone who's willing to submit to him as Lord and Savior. So take responsibility, a community of people who are looking uh, for needs and ready to spring into action with how they can make a difference with those needs that they're seeing, but also are willing to take responsibility for their actions. When they do things well, quick to give, to give uh, thanks for the ability to do those things well. And when we make mistakes, we're not looking for someone to blame. We're recognizing that uh, that mistake happened and I need to take responsibility for my action and uh, ask where I can grow. Always looking for areas to grow. Uh, all of us, have areas where we can grow. So let's help each other. Let's let's surge together towards growth. Proactive with talents. Now, talents, when I say talents, I uh, I predominantly, well, I'm, I'm talking about two things, not just gifts, but also resources. I am proactive with what the Lord has given to me as my gifting, but I'm also proactive with using the resources and my time to impact others. I'm not just sitting back. I'm, I'm looking for opportunity to uh, do the good works that the Lord has planned in advance for me to do. Uh, I believe each person has been given the set of talents, resources, and time that they have been given on this earth. Uh, they've been given to them uh, those, those groupings, time, talent, resources, the talents have been given to you and you've been placed right where you are for a reason. So be proactive, be looking for opportunities to, to fill a need, be looking for opportunities to put those gifts and talents and time 
to work. Don't hoard them for yourself. They weren't given to you to keep to yourself. They were given to you to glorify God and to make an impact on the people around you. I know that many of you listening are already out there doing it. Don't hear me saying this like I don't think you're doing it. I want, I want you to be encouraged. What you're doing, how you're living, the effort you're making, they matter. Maybe you're in a time in your life where you do feel a little discouraged. I would encourage you. Get going. There's work to be done. You've been given the gifts, talents, and time you have to put them into, to put them into action. Deploy them. Finally, willing uh, to say no. Uh, I'll cover this one more. At the end of the day, so much of the progress that we make towards goals and vision in life comes back to our ability to say no to other things. Uh, This is a better-to-best kind of idea. So, uh, for instance, say you're uh, trying to get fit. The ability to say no to sugar and be disciplined to the diet is critical in that effort to get fit. Say you're trying to accomplish something at work. Uh, The ability to say no to something else, to put in the time you need to put in to get to that goal say you're studying or trying to graduate your friends want to go play hoops your friends want to go snowboarding your friends want to go out to eat but you know that you need to put in the time to study to get where you want to be maybe it's the fight against sin in our lives we need to be able to say no to the things that don't honor the lord Praise God in the fight against sin. We've been given the Holy Spirit when we believe in Jesus to help with that fight. We've also been given prayer, God's word, the body of Christ. We are well supported. So I encourage you, uh, think through in your life, what are some areas where maybe you need to say no to get towards the vision where you want to get. Maybe it's a financial goal. So you need to say no to some areas where you like to spend to get towards that financial goal. Um, This is applicable to so many areas of life, but it's the final pro fan league fundamental being able to say no. It's hard to say no. So again, I draw you back to the necessity of community, getting each other's back, um, asking for help, learn to say no. I'm grateful for you listening. I'm grateful for you tuning in. I'm cheering for you. Have a great weekend. Please share this podcast. Please give it a five star. Check out profanleague.com. We're cheering for you. I'm cheering for you. Go make plays. Have a great weekend. Tune in on next Tuesday. Uh, We'll be right back. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. We are not just fans.